right, everybody doing good? All right, man, it's a good day, man, it's a good day. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord, and happy Father's Day to all our dads out there, all the dads that are online, happy Father's Day to you. And uh, hopefully you've had an opportunity, if you're here, you've made it over to the cafe, there's a pretty good spread over there. I mean, it's like ridiculous, there's so much good food in there. And, uh, but, you know, we're here today to honor, uh, really to worship our Heavenly Father. You know, He is a good, good Father, but we want to honor the dads, and so uh, there's a cool couple of bags away that, you know, they're going to give away over there, Bass Pro, and you might think, well, I don't fish, but they're still cool, and uh, you can get those, and you can put your stuff in them, I guess. But anyway, it's going to be uh, a fun day today, hopefully for you guys. And we've got a great uh, message for you guys today. I feel like out of, out of the Philippians again, we're continuing to walk through Philippians, and a couple of testimonies, I think, will kind of hit hard to the heart. But man, Father's Day is such a special day for a lot of us, man, we get to celebrate that, but it can also be a tough time. It's kind of, kind of like Mother's Day, you know. Maybe there may be some of you here today that because of it being Father's Day and you had a father that was absent, uh, maybe he wasn't the father that you wish he would have been or whatever, it can become a day where it's not so great. And so my prayer is that God is going to really speak to you today about that he can be that father in your life. He's the father to the fatherless. And so that his love and his compassion and his mercy and his grace is what you you receive from him today and so that it's not it doesn't become something that you're bitter about it's something that you learn from but you receive what god has for you he's the perfect father and um and we know that you know there's no perfect men in this world we know that but we know that jesus uh, is the only one that walked this place that was uh, had perfection and so uh so anyway i want you to learn from that today and again happy father's day to all the fathers and we're thankful for you guys and glad that you had them had your family here so real joy this is our series real joy comes from pouring into others lives and i think that's the role of a father you know as a dad as a father our job is to pour into our children you know we protect our family we pour into our family we provide for our family that is our responsibilities and so we get an opportunity to do that and so hopefully you've had a, a, a chance to to do that and you've done it well and, and hey one other thing i see one of the guys holding up one of these some of you guys may have got the wrong uh outline today so a few of those were handed out that's from last week and it may, you may have been thinking i was going to teach the same message again but i'm not so there is a week three if you got the wrong one just hold up your hand and our ushers will get you that so i'll see a few hands over here and then you can also go to the uversion app and with the uversion app you can go to events look for journey church and it's got everything on there as well it's got all the notes even got all the answers filled in for you so anyway you can do that as well so if you need it just hold up your hand they'll get you that and they'll take care of that so uh, anyway so we got that got house keep, house taking care taking care of but real joy comes from pouring into the into others lives and uh, even, you know, I know there's some dads that are here, and I think about this sometimes, I hear people say, you know, I was able to, uh, you know, I was a stepfather. Well, you know, here's the thing, you chose that, you know, and you're a foster parent, you know, you adopt a child, you know, and there's so many ways, you know, that we're able to be able to pour into the lives of others. Being a mentor, you know, you can be that fatherly figure. And let, I want to read a passage to you, this is out of Philippians, uh, where Paul is commending Timothy, he's talking about Timothy but Paul has been pouring into him. It's not his son, but it's his son in ministry, if you will. So he goes, I have no one else like Timothy who genuinely cares about uh, your welfare. He's talking about the church at Philippi. He says, Timothy cares about you. He's, he's one of those guys, man, he's just different. He says, all the others care only for themselves and not for what matters to Jesus Christ. In other words, this kid had a heart for God. I mean, Timothy was, uh, he was different, man. He was set apart. But you know what, you know how Timothy has proved himself like a son with his father. He has served with me in preaching the good news. And so he's, hey man, he's like, he's been like a son to me. And so it's not his real son, but it's, you know, Paul didn't have kids, man. But the thing is, he's saying, hey, listen, this, this guy's like a son to me. 
And so we can have those relationships where we get to pour into people. And you know, and it could be a, a, a guy that you work with. You, you get to pour into his life. You get to share with him what God has taught you. It could be a neighbor's kid. It could be a neighbor. It could be anything. You know, and so men don't think, hey, well, I, I don't have kids, so I don't have anybody to pour into. Yes, you do. We're all called to make disciples. We're all to pour our lives into somebody. And I'm telling you, there's something powerful about being able to disciple someone and mentor someone. And, and there's so many kids, there's so many young men and so many young ladies that need mentors. And so they need to be poured into. And we go, well, you know, I'll just take care of mine. Well, there's others that need it as well. And maybe it is the neighbor's kids or maybe it is some family down the street or whatever. But we need to think, you know, God, how can I pour into them the way that Paul poured into Timothy? He says, like a son with his father, he has served with me in preaching the good news. So Timothy was different in a God way. And so not just in a good way, but a God way. So Timothy had this heart for the kingdom. He had this heart for Jesus. He, he loved the things of Jesus. He loved the things of the church and he wanted to be a part of it. But man, he cared about people. He cared about people. He wanted to meet the needs of others. He was ministry minded. So Timothy was different in a God way, but that had been modeled for him by, by his, his family, by his, uh, his mom and, and uh, his, his grandmother, and then also by, by Paul. And so Paul had invested in him. And so he genuinely cared about others. And so the question I would ask you, maybe the fathers in the room, do you genuinely care about others? You know, we can all be selfish. We can all be self-centered, self-absorbed, whatever self you want to choose. But we can all do that. But the question is, do we really care about others? Is it always about me? Is it always about what I want? Or do I care about my family? Do I care about others? Do I care about others' kids? Do I care about other people? And, and so I think that's a great question to ask you know because if you're going to pour into others you got to care about them and so dads have you poured godly character into your family would be a question i would ask you know and you might say well you know i can only do what they'll receive that's exactly right but have you modeled it out have you lived that have you poured character have you taught you know the bible talks about teaching our children when we lay down when we walk along the road as we're doing life you know and so dads do you do you take the opportunity when they ask a question say well let me just share with you what god's word says let me tell you what the Word of God has to say. It's not your opinion that matters, but it is what the Word of God says. So we look for ways to teach them. You know, and, and you know, they, maybe they want to do something. You say, hey, listen, let's talk about that. And you're teaching them the Word of God. You're modeling it. You know, and so do, uh, have you poured godly character in your family? Have you taught them the right thing to do? You know, and I know there's plenty of dads that don't do that. There's plenty of dads that look for ways to, to cheat, to get by, to skirt the issues or whatever. And so you've got to ask yourself, hey, man, you know, God, show me how to pour godly character into my family. And then I think this was really important. Dads, have you preached the good news? Have you preached the good news? And I know many of you probably right now are saying, well, Mike, I'm not a preacher. But here's the thing. You are to be proclaiming the gospel. You're to proclaim the gospel. Every dad in here, that's your responsibility if you're a believer. Have your kids seen you share Jesus? Have they seen you tell someone about Christ? Have they seen you serve your neighbor? Have they seen you do the things that Jesus told us to do that we're to line up with? Have you shared the gospel with someone? Have you led someone to Christ in front of your kids? I'm telling you, man, real joy comes from sharing Jesus with someone, leading someone to Christ. Nothing like that, man. And so if you ever had the opportunity to do that in front of your kid, your kid, your child will see the joy on your face. They'll see the joy in your heart and they'll go, Dude, that's awesome. My dad just led that person to Christ. And if, when you do that, I'm telling you, man, there's something powerful about that. And you're modeling that and you're pouring godly character in your child. And you're saying, hey, listen, it's about the kingdom of God. That's what really matters. And you're telling your kid, it's not about this world. It's about the eternal. It's about what, you know, where's this person going to spend eternity? 
I just uh, had someone sharing with me about uh, praying with a young lady at, at Walmart. She was going through the line, just shares the gospel with her, prays over, prays for healing over her body, and literally begins to see some healing take place in her, in her body right there. And the girl's just weeping and crying. And there's all these people lined up, and I'm thinking, how cool if there, you know, a child had been standing there watching, hey, the mom pray over this lady. And so do, you, do we pour that into our kids? Do we model that? We just hope that, hey, somebody will do that for them. Why don't we do that? That's our job, right? And so dads, have you pre- preached the good news? And here, I love this quote. And I, I used to think it was uh, St. Francis of Assisi, but everybody, you know, it says, hey, well, they don't know really where it came from, so we're just going to use it. Preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times. So that means how you live, how you act, you know, how you treat people, you know, you know how you look at people what you do for people, all those things. And so if you're sitting there saying, hey, well, man, I'm Mike, I'm not a preacher. You know, the Bible says, or this quote makes it very clear, how we live is preaching, is proclaiming. How you worship. I mean, when you worship, do you worship in truth and spirit? You know, do you stand there, you're like, you know, man, I wish you, I don't like this song or whatever. Then you're modeling it for your children. But what if you were to go, you know what, God, we're singing this song back to you. I want you to hear me sing it. I want my kids to see me worship you. God, you know, I want them to see me doing the things that we talk about in scripture, not just talk about it but they see me doing it then i do worship in truth and spirit i do serve i do use my spiritual gifts you know we talked about it last week you know half the church sometimes sits on their gifts rather than using them to help build up the kingdom of god we literally you know we just kind of sit on them and god said hey listen i want you to use those to build up the body of christ and so we've got to be able to say you know hey are my kids seeing me use my spiritual gifts are they seeing me worship in truth and spirit are they seeing me in, in the word of god do every once in a while they interrupt you as you're praying to the Heavenly Father and you're interceding for them? Then that's, those are the things that we should be doing as dads and even as moms. You know, we should be literally living out our faith. And so here's, have your children seen you sharing Jesus and caring for others? You know, I mean, that's the question we need to ask. Have they seen that? And if not, then what will change today? Because here's the thing, we have to make adjustments, right? If you go up to the plate and you keep striking out, you know, make an adjustment. You can't go up and do the same thing every time and, and expect something different. You have to make an adjustment. And so we've got to be willing to make adjustments. If we keep doing the same thing, keep getting the same result, you know what? Then we've got to, adjust, we've got to make an adjustment. So here's an opportunity for us to do that. So Paul is, he's, he's commending uh, Timothy, and here he commends Epaphroditus. And he says, welcome him in the Lord's love and with great joy and give him the honor that people like him deserve. He says, for he risked his life for the work of Christ, and he was at the point of death while doing, uh, while doing for me what you couldn't do from afar. So here, what, what Paul is saying, hey, listen, man, he put his life on the line for the kingdom. And I was thinking about, you know, there's missionaries that are going out. Some have been commissioned this week that are going out, and they're going to foreign lands. They can't even, they can't even let anybody know where they're going, but they're going to put their life on the line. And as I was reading this passage, there's a friend of mine, you guys have heard me talk about him often, but as I was reading that passage, a friend of mine, you know, he actually called me and I'm sitting there going, I cannot believe that I'm, you know, he's calling me as I'm thinking about him and his daughter. And so he had, he had a young girl named uh, Carlin that he, uh, he said, whenever she was born, he was walking her, you know, down the hallway and he held her up like, kind of like Lion King. He said, Lord, I give her to you. And he said, Lord, anywhere but Africa. He said, that's what I prayed. You know where she went, right? She went to Africa. She went to Ethiopia, Africa. And, uh, and he said, he, he remember thinking whenever he was leaving, he was a little bit mad at God. He said, God, that's the one place I said not to go. And I, and I told him, I said, and so we, he, we called, we were talking to each other. I said, here's the thing, Pat. I said, when you say I surrender her to you, you can't put stipulations on it. When you surrender, you say, hey, it's whatever you want, not what I want. 
And so moms and dads, do we surrender our kids to the Lord? And then we say, hey, listen, yeah, anything but God. Well, that's not true surrender. That's kind of like, hey, Jesus, I want to give you my life, but not all of it. I want to give you my heart, but not all of it. You know, I'm putting stipulations on it. Surrender and say, hey, I, I, I give up all rights. I give you everything. And of course, God took care of his daughter and, and uh, you know, God used him in a powerful way there in Ethiopia. So we got to be able to say, God, I, I surrender. I give you everything. But man, I think we should honor those who put their life on the line. I think about the military. They put their life on the line for our freedom, right? We honor them. And I think for missionaries who put their life on the line, they sacrifice, they go without, and they go to lands oftentimes to put their life on the line. And sometimes that land is right here in our nation, and it's in, in really rough areas of our country. And they're literally going there putting their life on the line. I remember one time we were doing a mission trip, and we were kind of going around and sharing the gospel, praying for people. And this one guy said, hey, listen, we're going to kind of avoid this here. It's kind of a really rough area. And this guy that was with us, he said, man, I'll go. He said, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. He said, let me go. Man, he went in there and led two or three people to Christ. And you're like, that's the heart that we need, right? It, too often we're like, hey, well, I don't know if we should go in there. We've got to trust God that God used me as a vessel. So he risked his life. And so again, rejoice with and honor those that risk their life for Christ. I think that's something that we should do. We should, you know, we should literally say, you know what, I'm going to honor them. I'm going to pray for them. And there's people, and you, and you can get, you can, uh, you can find some of the different ministries that literally pray for these uh, families. They may not give you their name. But they'll say, hey, they're in this country, and it's a husband and a wife, or it's a husband and wife and two kids, whatever. And you can literally pray for them. And I promise you, it's one of the greatest things you could do for them. So moving on. So those are some things. So Paul has commended, you know, uh, Paul and Epaphroditus. And so here it says, real joy comes from knowing Jesus Christ as Lord by faith. That's where the real joy starts. You know, and we've talked about this, but Paul in Philippians 3, I mean, he kind of unpacks this. He, he really pours it out. He says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. So it doesn't matter what you're going through today. It doesn't matter what you've gone through this past week. You know, it doesn't matter if storms blew through, and they did, right? But you say, you know what, I'm going to rejoice. And so that seems almost impossible for some of us. Some of us have been through literal hell, and we go, you know, how in the world do you rejoice in this? But it comes through faith in Christ. And I'm telling you, it's supernatural. It's not natural to rejoice no matter what you're going through. That is the power of God. That is the work of God in you. And people will see that and know that. They'll go, that's not normal. That's not natural. That's supernatural. And there's truth in there. And that's what Paul is saying. He says, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things. And I do, to, do it to safeguard your faith. I mean, he, he really kind of gets after it here. He says, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. And what they're doing is they're, they're making it about works. Hey, this is a, a work or a deed or something you have to do. And he said, man, it's not about works. You don't earn your way into salvation. It's by faith alone. It's faith in what Jesus did. That's why everything he does, he points to Jesus. He lifts up the name of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about self. It's not, about the, it's not even about works or deeds or religion. It's about Jesus. And so he's pointing this. He said, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. Our hearts have been, have been changed. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. It's not what we've done. It's what Jesus has done. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could, I could have confidence in my own effort if anybody could. And what Paul is saying, he was, hey, listen, if anybody wants to brag on their, their, their pedigree or whatever, he goes, I could do that. He said, but man, it's, it's, not, it's not that important to me. We put no confidence in human effort. Though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. That sounds a little bit arrogant, doesn't he? But he had done more than anybody else. 
He had done more than most other people. And so he said, hey, listen, if anybody has a right to brag on what they've done, their accomplishments, their deeds, their works, he said, man, it would be me. He said, but look at what he says. He says, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin. A real Hebrew, if there ever was one, I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. He said, hey, listen, man, I was without fault in the eyes of religion. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. What he said, hey, listen, I was so zealous for doing things the way that we thought they were supposed to be done that I persecuted the church, which is the bride of Christ. I literally tried to put them to death. I did everything I could to round them up to snuff out this teaching called the way that Jesus had taught and had modeled. And he said, man, I obeyed the law without fault. He said, I lined up with the letter of the law. I followed all of that. But look at what he says here. He says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. He says, man, all that religion, all that me, the rituals and the routines and me doing all this stuff to try to earn my way to heaven. He said, that stuff's worthless. It's what Christ did on the cross. It's what Christ did through the power of the resurrection that changes everything. It's where you get to put our faith in who Christ is. We surrender our life to Jesus. That's what changes everything. It's not going to church. It's not reading the Bible. It's not even, even coming and giving your money. That's not what gets you there. You do those things because you love him, right? Because he has saved you. He has set you apart. And he's done that God work inside of you. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything else is worthless compared to that. You think about being a dad, that's a pretty big deal. He said, man, none of that stuff, even that is not as important as knowing Christ. It doesn't matter what it might be. Some people say, well, I always want to be a mom. I always want to be a daddy. Let me tell you, even that is not as important as knowing Christ. It's not as important. Whatever it might be. I don't care if you're the president of the United States. It's not as important as that. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. In some translations, it says dumb. And he says, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. He said, that is what matters most is becoming one with Christ and being focused on him and elevating him, you know, doing everything I can to make much of Christ and letting being about the kingdom of God. That's why my, that's why my life matters is what he's saying. He said, all that other stuff, man, it's just garbage. But knowing Jesus, there's nothing like it. He said, real joy comes from knowing Christ by faith having a right relationship with God the Father through, through Jesus Christ. He said, man, that's what matters. He says, I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on what? Faith. It's not works, not deeds. Here's the thing. Because we have faith in Christ, because we have surrendered our life to Christ, you know what we do? We do good works. We do it because Christ did that good work in us. We say, you know what? I want to share with others the gospel, the good news. I want to share with others the love of God. I want, to, I want other people to be blessed, encouraged. I want to minister to them. We do those things because of what he has done. He says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I love that. He says, man, I want to experience the mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. I want to experience everything that God has for me. I want the power of God at work in me. And we're worshiping a while ago. I'm praying, God, pour out your power in this room. God, is it the message goes out over the airways. God, pour out your power on whoever's watching. Let them be moved by your spirit and by your power that they would be transformed, that they're not okay with just kind of going through life and muddling through life, but they want to be different. Kind of like what Paul said, hey, man, I want all that you have for me, God. I want to experience everything that you have for me. He says, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, 
so that one way or another, I'll experience the resurrection from the dead. He said, hey, listen, if I have to die the way that Jesus died, I'm okay with that. If I have to lose my life to experience all that Jesus promised me, I'm okay with that. He says, because I know that Jesus has promised and he will fulfill his promise, right? And so if we live with that kind of mentality, we're not worried about death. Death doesn't have any control over us. Jesus already conquered death. Man, we know that death is just a stepping stone. Man, we're moving on to a better life with a, breathing the, the, the breath of heaven. So whatever happens, rejoice. Whatever you're going through, rejoice. And you know, man, that's crazy, isn't it? But that's supernatural. So we rejoice that God is at work in us. He's changing us. He's transforming us. He's moving in us. And no matter what blows your way, whether the storms come into your life, and they will come, you rejoice. You say, you know what? It's about Jesus. And God, if, hey, if this furthers your kingdom, I'm for that. And it's not, it's not what we can do. It's what Jesus has done. See, we often think, well, if I do this, well, maybe Jesus will let me in. Maybe if I do this, you know, maybe if I start going to church, maybe if I start reading the Bible, maybe if I start doing a devotion, maybe if I start giving a little bit of money, maybe God will let me in. That's not how it works. Those are works. Those are deeds, right? But what we do is say it's by faith in Jesus and Christ alone. And because we put our faith in him, we go, you know what? Man, I want to read his word. I want to know more about what Jesus said. You know what? I want to share with others what Christ has done for me. So I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to teach my kids because that's what God's word says to do, the things of Christ. I'm going to teach them and I'm going to model for them how to live for Christ. I'm going to go and I'm going to serve. I'm going to use my spiritual gifts to help build up the body of Christ. Why? Because that's what the word of God tells me to do. That's what Jesus taught us to do. I want to give because he has given me so much. I want to be a blessing. I want to be a conduit of blessing. I want to be a channel of blessing. It's not because, hey, if I do this, maybe he'll bless me and give me more. No, I just want to be obedient to what he's already told me to do. And if he gives me more, you know, that's up to him. It's not up to me. I just want to be a blessing. So it's not what we can do. It's what Jesus has done. Nothing else comes close to knowing Christ. Nothing. Nothing comes close to knowing Christ. Let me read something to you. And, and actually, I think I've got a I got something here. It says, uh, last week, I got this, in a, this email, if you will, and I want to share it with you guys, but this is kind of what it said right here. Look at that, 701 salvation decisions last week. And this is to us. This is to, to us as a church. It says, Dear Pastor Mike and Journey Church, last week, because of your partnership, one of the ministries that we partner with, our West Africa, East Africa, and Haiti teams reported 701 salvations during their community outreach. That's awesome. It says, your support equipped our teams to bring desperately needed food, water, and supplies to people trapped in extreme poverty. And every encounter included a presentation of the what? The gospel, the good news. We praise God for the many new souls won for Jesus last week, and we thank him for you. Thank you for helping us meet needs, feed souls, and elevate God in some of the hardest places, Vapor Ministries. So you guys were a part of that. And so that, that took place on the other side of the, of the earth. But we also had some students who went to camp last week, and I want you to hear what God did right here among our kids. And so I'm going to ask Pastor Tony to come on out. Come on out, brother. Y'all give it up for Pastor Tony. Hey, good morning, church. How you doing? Good. Hey, uh, I appreciate Pastor Mike allowing me to share this with you. Uh, this past week, we took uh, 45 students and, uh, and leaders, most of those students, to camp. And uh, it was incredible, genuinely incredible. Uh, when you deal with teenagers, there's always some knuckleheads. I was one of those. You were one of those too. So, uh, but God worked in that moment. I actually, uh, roomed, I kept a young man close to me because he was a, a bit of a knucklehead. He reminds me of myself. 
And so I kept him close uh, all week. And uh, so we got there Monday night. And, uh, and after service, the first service, he began to ask questions. It's 11 o'clock at night. We're in our dorm rooms. He starts to ask questions about Jesus. And I'm thinking, this is great. Like, I've been praying. This is great. Keep asking. And uh, the further along we went, uh, he said he accepted Jesus several years ago. But the more that I asked him, it was clear that that was not true. He didn't even know really what he had done. And so I wanted to help him make sure that he had made that decision. Uh, Tuesday night, the pastor actually spoke about the Son. So he talked about the Trinity, the God, our God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the second night, he calls everyone down who wants to accept Jesus. And I text this young man, hey, I'll go with you. If you want to go, I'll go with you. He said, no, I don't want to do that. And so uh, we got back in a room, started asking more questions, and that uh, the second night, I just, hey, this man, Jesus, loves you, and he died for your sins and I, I think that I've said it from the stage several times, but I don't know that I've ever actually heard anyone say, especially at 15 years old, I don't know how he could love me. Mm. And I'm just heartbroken that this young man sitting across me. I was like, yeah, but he does. And I'm explaining that to him. And uh, night, uh, uh, the night begins to, you know, come to a close. Um, and I said, man, listen, you, we've answered all the questions. There's no waiting on this. This is where we start. We don't get our life right first. We accept Jesus, and then it's a process right. for the rest of our life. And, and so we're t- I said, listen, I'm going to go get in the shower, and uh, we'll go to bed, man. We'll keep talking tomorrow. And I come out, and he says, uh, hey, Pastor Tony, I think, I think that I'm ready to accept Jesus. Come on. Woo. And so at 11... that night, we kneeled on his bed, and we prayed to receive Jesus. And his name, you guys can go ahead and show this picture. Uh, This is actually Tanner Maddox right here, and he accepted Jesus that night. And so uh, what's incredible about this picture is that this is the last night, and the whole time he's sitting on his phone, and he's hanging out. And uh, the last night, he is just weeping. He didn't want to take this picture because he was red-eyed. And so uh, God did an incredible thing in our students. We were baptizing people in a fountain. It was gross, but it was awesome. And so thank you. I appreciate it. Yes, sir, man. Y'all give it up, Pastor Tony. And and let me just tell you, that's, that's... that's why we take kids to youth camp, man, is to get them away from the things of this world and, and for somebody like Tanner to put his faith in Christ, you know, and so there's 701 across the seas, but man, this is right here in our family, you know, and so y'all give it up for Tanner. We're proud of him and uh, man, excited about what God is going to do in his life. But you know what? Like Tony said, it's not about, hey, you, you don't fix your life. We can't fix it. You know, we can't fix our lives. We needed a savior. We need Jesus, right? And everybody does. We need, a, we need Jesus to change us from the inside out. And so I love that. So th- this passage again, it says, I once thought these things were valuable. Talking about religion, talking about doing all this stuff, you know, these works. But again, he says, I, I once thought these things were valuable, but now consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Paul, he doesn't, he doesn't mix any words here. He's pretty clear. Hey man, the most important thing is knowing Christ. He said, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. And here's the thing, you may, maybe you're like Tanner, you, you know, hey, I think I'm saved, I hope I'm saved. You know, you, you don't have to hope, you can know. You can know that you have salvation, you can know that you're a child of God, you can know that you're born again, you can know that you're part of the kingdom of God, you can know that you're part of the, part of the uh, bride of Christ, the church. You can know that, you don't have to hope, wonder, you can know. And so it says everything else is worthless, nothing compares to that. And for his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. 
to be one with Christ, to be part of the body of Christ, be part of the church. Church isn't a building, it's people. It's those who put their faith in Christ. I love this. So, talks about pressing on towards the goal. We're moving on through Philippians here. You know, the most important thing is being nailing down your salvation. But look at what he says. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. Paul's like, hey man, as long as we're here, we're going to battle the flesh. I have to battle the stuff that hangs on my arms, right? I have to battle the stuff that hangs on me. And I'll, there will be storms that will blow into my life. There will be battles that will come. There will be, there'll be literally trials and tribulation. That's part of it. Jesus said, hey, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And so we're going to be battling those things as long as we're here. We're not, we're not perfected, but there's a day when we're made right. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. He says, hey, man, I'm a work in progress. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. Jesus grabbed me. When I surrender my life, he just put his arms around me. When I say, hey, Jesus, here I am. I give you everything I've got. I give you my life. He just arms me up, man. He says, I got you. And I'm going to start working on you. I'm going to start changing and transforming you to become more and more like me. There's no dear brothers and sisters. I have not achieved it. But I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Wouldn't that change a lot of us if we would stop focusing on the past and begin to say, you know what? I'm looking forward to what God has in store for me, that he has changed me. He is transforming me. And I am focused on my future and not my past. That's why we have these little bitty rearview mirrors. We have this huge windshield. We can focus on what's ahead of us, right? And too many of us are focused on the past. Some of us in this room today, or maybe some of us watching online, we're looking back at, hey, my my dad wasn't there. And we let that bitterness and anger and resentment rob us of what God wants to do now and in our future. We've got to be able to say, God, let me quit focusing on the past and let me focus on what's ahead of me. God, start right now changing me, transforming me, teaching me how how to move forward, how to focus on the things that matter most. He says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. See, I believe Jesus is calling some of us home right now. He said, man, hey man, it's time to surrender. It's time to give your life. It's time to just really give me everything. Not, hey, not just Sunday morning, but give me your life. Give me your marriage. Give me your children. Give me your career. Give me everything. And I'll work in you and I'll work through you. And I'm just telling you, you will be blown away, blown away by what I can do. He says, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree at some point, Paul says, I believe God will make it plain to you. He said, hey, it's time to grow up. It's time to mature. Quit walking around like little children. You know, hey, start living like a follower of Christ, like a man or a woman of God. It says, if you disagree on some point, I believe God will make it plain to you. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. It's important that we stay with that. You know, hey, listen, I'm here. I'm not going to lose. I'm not going to slide back down. I'm going to keep moving forward. It says, dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. That's a bold statement. But what he's saying, hey, listen, do what I'm doing. It's kind of like, hey, if you're going down a path and, and hey, there's certain stones you have to step on. Say, hey, listen, step here step here and you know and you're following him hey then you'll get across here safely and we got to be willing to say you know what and i would just say this to the dads i would say this to the dads today on father's day are you blazing a trail are you walking a trail where you're 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 helping your kids follow christ and you're saying hey listen live like i live forgive like i forgive but here's the thing it's got to be like jesus that's what Paul was saying. Hey, I want to be one with Christ. And so you got to be able to say, listen, I don't want to be like my dad, my earthly dad. I want to be like my heavenly father. I want to be quick to forgive. I want to be willing to bless. I want to be willing to serve. I want to be willing to do. I want to make it about others and not about me. And so we got to be able to say, God, 
am I doing those things? And as a dad, am I doing those things? Am I living in such a way that my kids will know the path to God? Let them follow your example. So far, I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. This is hard. This is hard. So I think it's one of those things we have to ask ourselves, man, am I living as an enemy of the cross of Christ? They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. Is that what your kids see? Mom or dad? It's all about your appetite, and your appetite could be anything. Some of you might be thinking, well, he's talking about food. No, no, it could be money. It could be cars. It could be houses. It could be stuff. It could be, you know, popularity. It could be whatever. So whatever your appetite might be, maybe it's alcohol, maybe it's drugs, whatever that, that appetite might be, that becomes your God. Look at it again. It says their God, little g, is their appetite. And they brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life here on earth. It's not about anything eternal. It's about whatever's here. But again, and Paul brings this up. We've covered this uh, the last couple of weeks. says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior, right? As a, as a believer, man, you got to be excited about that. There's some people like, man, I don't want Jesus to come back too soon. Are you, are you crazy? Man, you want Jesus to come on back. But here's the thing. We want to reach as many people as possible with the gospel before Christ returns. That's our, that's our job. That's our, our mission, right? And he will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. Using the same power, there's that power again, with which he will bring everything under his control. So these are, this is critical. So we are all a work in progress. We have to understand that. We have not reached perfection, neither did Paul. And if someone thinks that they have it all together, that's a red flag, I'm just telling you. If someone says, hey, I've got it all figured out, I've got it all together, red flag, they're not lined up with Scripture, they're full of themselves. You know, because here's the thing, we, until we breathe our last, until we're in the presence of Christ, we are not at perfection. We're not there. We're all a work in progress. It says we've got to keep getting up and focusing on what's ahead. There's going to be times we get knocked down. There's been times I feel like I've been knocked flat on my back. But you have to get up. You have to keep moving. And you have to focus on what's ahead. And there's some of you, maybe some of you watching online, that you go, you know what, man, that's been this week. I feel like I have been, you know, punched in the gut. I feel like I have been knocked down. I feel like I, I just can't go on anymore. But what the Scriptures say, hey, listen, get up. Keep moving forward in the, in the power and the strength of Christ. Get up. Keep moving. Focus on what's ahead, not what's behind you. Keep moving in the right direction. Keep moving towards Jesus. And we've got to be willing to do that. Focus on what's ahead. And this is a tough question that I think needs to be answered. Are you an enemy of the cross of Christ? And you have to answer this. Paul asked some tough questions in here. Throughout this, this book, it's called, it's the book of joy. But man, he asked him tough questions, and he knows that all these things will rob us of the true joy, of real joy. And so here's that, that passage again. It says, they are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. And they brag about shameful things. You know if you do or not. And they think only about this life here on earth. It's only about what's here and now. Then you're living as an enemy of the cross is what Scripture says. So the next steps for me today most important thing would be to choose to surrender my life to Christ completely full surrender it's not going hey anything but Africa anything but my family anything but my habit 
anything but my stuff, anything but my career, we have to say, you know, God, I give you everything. And God, I'll give you my life. I surrender. And you use me however you want to use me for your purposes and for your kingdom. And God, I'm going to stay focused on what lies ahead because I trust you. I'm not going to focus on the past. I'm going to learn from the past, but I'm not going to focus on it. But I'm going to, I'm going to chase after you. And I surrender my life to you. Most important decision we can make. And then prayerfully, we don't live as an enemy of the cross, but we live as an ambassador of the cross. We live as a representation of Christ in this broken world. So choose to surrender my life to Christ. And here's the last one. Choose to keep pressing on and focusing on what's ahead. Would you say, you know, Jesus, I want to make you famous. Jesus, I want to point people to you. Jesus, I want to lead people to you. And I pray that you would just bless me and use me as your vessel. I want to ask you just to bow your head and close your eyes. What is it that God has said to you today? What has he spoken into your heart? How will you respond? Maybe you're watching online, maybe here in the room. And maybe you've thought, man, I'm not good enough. Kind of like Tanner. Maybe you think, I can't change. Maybe you're even bitter towards God because your dad wasn't there. And you, and you don't even like the fact that people call God Heavenly Father. What if today, what if today you let God heal that hurt in your heart? What if today you let God change you from the inside out? What if today you surrendered everything to Him and trusted Him to heal you, to change you, to use you? It's up to you. It's your decision. God doesn't force Himself on you. But He offers you eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And all you have to do is call on Jesus. Say, Jesus, and this, this, this could be your prayer. Jesus, will you forgive me for I'm a sinner? Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you be my leader, my Lord? I surrender. I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. That's repentance. And you say, Jesus, I'm calling on you. I'm asking you to save me, to change me, to use me. If that's your prayer, then the Bible says that you are saved. Your name's written in the Lamb's book of life the way Tanner's was at 1156 the other night. Never to be erased, written in the Lamb's uh, blood, the blood of Christ. Never to be erased. Adopted into the family of God. If you just prayed that prayer, you're here in the room, would you raise your hand and say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer to receive Christ. Anybody in here? Just be bold. Just say, man, I... I just put my faith in Christ. Maybe online you've made that decision. You can text my decision to 94,000. We want to know. But there may be many of us in this room that we say, Mike, you know, I'm, I put my faith in Christ, but according to that last scripture that we read, I'm living as an enemy of the cross because that's more of an identification of my life than the gospel is. And I'm broken over that. And I'll go ahead and tell you, we pray for God to break some hearts in here today. 
Because God desires a broken and contrite spirit. That God would break our hearts over our sin. That we would not justify it. We would not be okay with it. We'd be broken over that. And maybe that God has revealed that you're living as an enemy of the cross. Then do something about it. Make an adjustment. Surrender. Confess. Repent. And turn it back over to God. Say, God, I, I ask you to forgive me. The great thing is he's a forgiving father. Prayer team's going to be here at the front. They'll, they'll be here to pray with you, to pray for you. But don't be disobedient to what God is leading you to do. Be obedient. And trust him. Trust him to work in your heart. Trust him to use you. To be an ambassador of the cross of Christ. If everybody would just stand all across the room. You respond as the Holy Spirit leads you. Father, I pray that you would move in this moment. God, draw us close. Breathe your life into us. God, breathe conviction into our hearts if we need it. And God, I pray that we would trust you to take the step, to make the adjustment, to surrender completely. In Jesus' name, amen.